Hey there, it's Kim Doyle, and welcome to my show, where digital marketing meets real stories, experiences, and strategies. You'll get a behind-the-scenes look at what's working and not working in my business, as well as other experts who show up and share their stories. As much as I love talking about tangible marketing principles and tactics, we'll dig a little deeper with mindset and explore what's required to create a business you love on your terms that also supports your life. I want to help you understand the why behind the how. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just dipping your toes in, remember, marketing is a journey and the goal is to enjoy it. My desire is to guide you on your journey and remind you that no matter what life throws at you, you've got this. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Kim Doyle Show. I'm very excited right now because, ah, (laughs) hitting the microphone, I'm testing doing remote recording with Squadcast via Descript. So before we get into today's episode, which is my Jerry Maguire come to Jesus moment, (coughs) excuse me, we're going to do a little chit chat about my decision to do this. So I, you guys know me and my tools, which I will tell you, I'm getting much better at not wanting to play with tools. I really, I like checking stuff out. I just, I don't want to be the one to have to do it, to be honest with you. But either way, so I jumped back into Descript. I had seen it when it first came out, and I I have a lot of um, learning to do with it still. But Descript created, created, added this effect where it is um, eye contact, and it corrects, so it corrects your eye contact through AI, which is great if I'm recording a solo show, because you guys know I write the show notes out. So the blog post, the whole thing is written out. And so I write it out first. But then to repurpose the video, I'm looking at the screen as opposed to looking at the camera. So it doesn't look that great for cutting and repurposing and doing all that kind of stuff. So anyway, when I saw that Descript had acquired um, Squadcast, and for free, you're getting it. I'm thinking I'm paying like 30 bucks a month for Descript. But so long story short, I was paying $10 for Otter. I've gotten rid of that because I have Cast Magic, which is phenomenal for transcribing and repurposing all the text from an audio file. And then um, what else was I using? Oh, Zencaster, which has been great. It's 20 bucks. But I'm like, I think Descript's going to do a lot of this. And they just keep adding stuff. So we'll see. And the other thing is, I have probably shared in the past that I am on Volcano Communications is my internet. Yes, I had faster internet in Costa Rica than I have in Northern California because of how remote (laughs) I am at my dad's. And so that being said, it's just a little bit like, okay, there's got to be a better way to do this because what was happening is I would record with Zencaster. I would download the video file, and then I'd have to upload it to Descript to apply the eye contact thing. This way, because the files for Squadcast will automatically be saved, saved, okay, so what are we in, like five minutes, and there goes the first word trip, Um, saved to my Descript drive, I'm like saving myself a whole bunch of time too. So we'll see, we'll see. It's, it was super easy to sign up and set up and connect. And I'm going to test this for interviews as well. You know, the weird thing, the lighting is really good with this. I don't know. I Go figure. But 
so far I'm super impressed. Okay, so let's get into today's episode, which again, like I said, is called My Jerry Maguire Come to Jesus Moment. It is episode 118. And (laughs) it seems like I've been having a lot of these moments lately. And for those of you who haven't seen or heard of Jerry Maguire, which I'm assuming everybody has, but you know what they say about assuming. First of all, it came out in 1996. What the bucket? But long story short, Jerry Maguire, played by Tom Cruise, is a successful sports agent who has his own come to Jesus moment, writes this manifesto in the middle of the night, distributes it to his agency he works for, and sort of all hell breaks loose in his life and his career. And, um, but that I think a big message with Jerry Maguire is to trust, to trust yourself, to do what feels right, and to really come from that place. Jerry ends up, which now I kind of want to watch it again, but changing his behavior and his attitude and how he approaches things. Um, and we all know the line with Renee Zellweger, you complete me. Um, but he just becomes a better human being, honestly, in this process. And I think there's a big lesson in that for all of this, which is to be true to yourself. Ideally, these moments don't cause everything in our lives to unfold, but they are pivotal moments, turning points, if you will. And it requires a lot of trust on your end. Are you willing to stand up, say what you need to say, do what you need to do at the risk and potential loss of other people, of disappointing others, or of specifically, and we'll talk about it, my first Jerry Maguire moment um, of, oh my gosh, am I going to alienate a lot of my audience? And, you know, am I starting from scratch? It's going to throw me for a loop. And oddly enough, I think if we choose not to do that, we're simply delaying it because it's either going to, it's good if it's if it's a loud enough voice within you, it's going to keep pulling at you and it's gonna just keep nudging you. I remember one time hearing Oprah Winfrey say, you know, first God whispers in your ear, you know, God universe, whatever you want to call it, but, but God whispers in your ear. And if you don't pay attention, you're gonna get a nudge. And if you don't pay attention to the nudge, you're gonna get a brick upside the head. And so there comes a point where you have to be true to yourself. And as I get older, man, that voice is dominant now. And I'm excited about it. Um, So the first moment I had that was really more of my come to Jesus moment was when I decided to focus my business on serving women. That doesn't mean I won't have products and things for sale. And I won't have men on my list. I'm not saying that at all. But man, it was like trying to serve two masters, for lack of a better word, because of wanting to share more of my own experiences and my own personal journeys as a woman and what it feels like to be in a space that is very male dominated. And I'm sick of it. (laughs) So I'm just going to go ahead and say that I'm tired of it, you know, and it's like, I always find myself pre-qualifying and explaining why this isn't this or you know, I'm going to serve women, but I still, I'm not anti-man. You know, it's like I I catch myself all the time doing that instead of just owning my truth. I can't speak for men. I don't, whatever. I I don't want to spend any more time on that. But I have wanted to do this for a long time and I just really didn't have the courage until now. So before I get into this recent epiphany, and we're just going to call it an epiphany because it's a hell of a lot shorter than my Jerry Maguire come to Jesus moment, which is not a keyword. So who cares, right? Um, 
I know exactly what has contributed to me arriving here in this space. One word, and it's focus. Without a doubt, the focus I have applied over the last four months has created space for me to get clear on what I want. And when I talk about what I want, I really mean like what I want my life to look like on a, on a grand scale, uh, the work that I want to do, and who I want to do it with and for. And I, I think too often we don't start at what do I want my life to look like? How do I want to feel? You know, what are the things I want to do in my free time and my spare time? You know, um, it's interesting. And again, this is a lot of this is off script. Um, But that is, you know, when we're younger, and especially in the United States, I don't think this is true um, of a lot of cultures. Um, most cultures probably, but, you know, there is such a consumer capitalist driven message from the time we can comprehend advertising, right? And again, I'm not going to go political here, but, you know, the drive and especially, so I'm Gen X, it was still a very predominant message for us. I mean, the eighties was the epitome, right? Of, of success and money and acquiring of things. And I've been down that road, you know, first house with my husband, then we bought a bigger house. But before we bought the bigger house, we bought the boat and the cars, like we did all that stuff. And I was totally on that trajectory. And don't get me wrong, I have no regrets, especially because his life was cut short. He wanted the boat, I did too. Um, And some of my best memories with him were out on the boat. But I always joke, I'm like, the only way I would ever have a boat again is if I could pick up the phone and call and say, put the boat in the water, gassed up, and then I could call and say, come take the boat back. I don't want to maintain it. I don't I don't want to do any of that stuff. Anyways, but as we're growing our careers and, and we're moving up sort of in life, next station, the message in the United States is bigger, better, more, right? It's There's, there's never this enough. And I don't know that I believe in an enough in terms of creating, okay? Like if you want to create massive wealth, go for it. If it's fun and it serves a purpose and and you enjoy the creation process, you know, but is there enough for, you know, too much stuff? We all have to define that personally. (laughs) I have spent a lot of time downsizing and moving over the last five years and it is such freedom. Anyway, it's very interesting though, that the first chunk of our lives in this country is to get more, to have more, to be more. And you hit a point where it's like, I don't want to spend my time and attention and energy taking care of stuff, (laughs) truthfully, you know, and so you start going, well, instead of, you know, the bigger houses, which, again, this is all a generalization, guys, so hear my heart, and I'm not judging anybody who wants, want what you want to each their own. I'm just sharing that my perspective has gone from, oh, I want all this to, I don't want to take care of that much, a nice place that I get to do exactly what I want to do with, where I want to do it, um, with a pool, because I always want water, um, and a place in Costa Rica, or, you know, it's it's shifted is all I'm saying. My priorities have completely shifted as I, as I step into all of this, and, you know, um, circling back, all of that was to say, 
we should always start from what we want our lives to look like. What is the work you want to do? Who do you want to spend your time with? Where do you want to spend your time? What does your environment feel like? And I think there's there's such sorry for the pause there. Uh, there's there's such this um, drive of productivity and and accomplishment that we forget to enjoy being once in a while. And you know, so th- this decision for me, circling way back to focus. Um, choosing to focus on serving women really felt like a huge fork in the road for me. I have a lot of men on my list and in my audience, and I was incredibly nervous that I would be cutting my audience in half. Here's the kicker, though. Even though men have purchased my products, most of my customers are women, which is also why I'm going to invest in paid traffic. I will always do organic content, which is actually the whole premise behind Jerry Maguire. And here's the other thing. I probably could have picked a better title that had something to do with content, but no, because this to me is pivotal. And it also, the epiphany Jerry Maguire moment here, how it relates to content, it was very intentional not to change the title. And I'll get there in a minute. But in addition to organic content, my goal with paid traffic is I get to target who I want to talk to. You know, otherwise it feels like a needle in a haystack sometimes while your content is building and your audience is growing with a specific type of content. So being able to target who you want is gold. All right. So let's get into my Jerry Maguire come to Jesus moment. I love the phrase, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. The beauty of this phrase, and I'm I should have looked it up. I should probably give credit to that quote. But anyway, the beauty of this is that the teacher doesn't necessarily have to be a person. It can be an article, a video, or a specific message that you start to see repeatedly. And my spiritual, energetic beliefs, whatever you want to call it, totally lines up with that. I don't think it's I don't think it's accidental. And there's a side where as our awareness changes, right? It's that whole idea of when you buy a new car, then you see it everywhere. It's because your awareness has changed. So I get that piece of it. But I also think there's some energy connection here. So I subscribe to a lot of email lists, like many of you, I'm sure, and YouTube channels. And I read a lot of articles in the digital marketing space. And it's easy to start picking up on trends. And, And sometimes I'll get an inkling of a shift happening. And other times it takes a little bit longer because I start seeing it more and more. And then it's sort of like, well, it's not an inkling. It's not an idea. Because sometimes you'll just hear one message and you you get this internal um, gut feeling of, ooh, this is going to change things. And I'm not talking about, you know, like AI changing things, but a different type of message or an energy. Here's something that... Um, off script again is so Ryan Lee is sort of an OG internet marketer. He's been around a long time. He taught a lot on memberships. He's had supplement companies he sold. So, and he's come back with a personal brand and he's really talking very anti the guru high ticket space. I don't, I think there's space for everything to be honest with you. Um, but you'll start noticing backlash. And I do think I talked about this was in the newsletter, it was in the podcast. I talked a little bit about, um, backlash with people kind of tired of the same quote unquote gurus, right? And so I have felt that 
mm, what's the word I'm looking for? But I have felt sort of this going against the grain where people are sort of tired. They're they're ready for something different and something fresh. And I think it's coming. I've been saying this for a few years. I think the pandemic created this massive paradigm shift in the world. It's going to take time for everything to roll out. We don't know what it looks like. But to me, I like looking at it that way because it doesn't feel like last week when I talked about when the world feels like a dumpster fire. It reframes that whole thing that this is exciting. We don't know what's coming. It's time for change. It's time for new. Anyway, um, so the first inkling I had of a shift happening was from the YouTube creator, Jessica Stansbury. And I will, obviously, all this is linked in the show notes, but she's on YouTube. You could Google her. She has two channels. Um, her first channel is called Hey Jessica. And then the second channel, she decided to launch just under her name. She's been online for about 12 years, I think. And actually, I remember when she was, well, I don't know if I remember when she was getting started, but I remember her years ago when she was doing a lot of how-to content, which is what this is totally relative to. She was doing a ton of how-to content. She started out as a designer and she launched her channel because she'd had her first child and she, she was tr- a trained graphic designer. So she was doing graphic design and websites and and she wanted to stay home with her baby, right? which a lot of our whys are driven by that purpose. Time with family, being at home, different types of freedom, all of those things. And so her channel and her brand was really built up by doing a ton of how-to content, which I'll tell you, so was the WordPress check when I was doing that. A lot of how to do this with WordPress for everyday people, right? I'm not going to teach you how to code a site. Um, But months before she decided to launch her second channel, she did a video where she was telling viewers to stop doing so much how-to or creating content based on keywords. And this is where she hooked me because I hate creating content based on keywords or doing anything based on keyword research. I don't care how ridiculous that sounds. I don't think SEO is going anywhere. But This is part of me having these personal epiphanies and realizing I want to step into something deeper and have richer conversations, not just here's how to do this with this, or here's how to do that with that. It it doesn't suit me. And that it tends to be what SEO serves. It's search intent, right? And I don't have an opinion on where SEO is going. I don't think it's going anywhere soon, but we can all agree that there's a lot of changes happening because of AI and how all of that is going to shift, you know, so it's going to look different. I don't know what that means. And there are plenty of great people who can teach you and talk about SEO as it suits you. For a personal brand like Kim Doyle, I cannot wrap my head around what type of SEO content other than email marketing and newsletters, which are incredibly competitive. So my advantage is just being Kim. That That's it, right? Anyway, um, I'm pretty hyped up. I should probably record earlier in the day more often. Um, But again, this is where Jessica hooked me because as soon as she started saying that, it was kind of what I felt all along. I'm like, so basically, and this happened to me a lot when I was the WordPress chick. So I would do a post and maybe a video and here's how to use this. Here's how to do that. And then I'd get all these people emailing me. Well, how do I do this? Or how do I not? Can I hire you to help me? Do you do coaching? Do you have a resource on this? How do I do this? Well, how do I do that? And how do I do this? And how do I do that? And it's like, you hire me. But so anyway, it depends on your business model also. So let's just say that because SEO is going to be brilliant for 
certain types of businesses and probably not so great for personal brands. That's just my two cents. Um, okay. Losing my train of thought. Okay. So she, when she launched her new channel, she did it because she wanted a place to do different content. She wanted lifestyle, vlogging, and sharing the journey. That channel has almost 2,000 subscribers in less than two months, maybe. Um, And I get it. She has a previous channel with a lot of subscribers, hundreds of thousands, I believe, Um, and an existing audience. She's got a personal brand. She's got an email list where she can promote the new channel. But it wouldn't be growing if there wasn't valuable content. Then I saw this Facebook post from... Adam Lincolnager, and I'm hoping I'm Link Lincolnager. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, it's a long post, and so I copy and pasted it into the post um, because I would have done a screenshot, but it's it was so long I couldn't. So I'm going to read it to you guys, um, and then I've included a screenshot and and I'll or the image that he shared, and I'll share that with you. So he is a prolific uh, YouTuber in that. Like in the image, let me see, he has one, two, three, four, like six of the platinum, five of the platinum YouTube, one, two, three, four, yeah, five, and then like one huge gold YouTube. And this is, these are awards that YouTube sends you for, um, I think it's subscribers or videos or something, I don't know, but he's been on YouTube a long time, knows what he's doing. So here's where I see this post. He says, YouTube isn't about keywords or SEO. Forget that crap. I could care less about the search engine as ranking for keywords is small potatoes on the platform today. The first step is jointly pleasing your subscriber base and the algorithm. Understanding the traffic sources and the depth of strategy that comes with increasing clicks and keeping viewers watching longer. Where where viewers come from... (laughs) Where viewers come from drastically can change your thumbnail strategy, your headline strategy, and the content strategy, depending on whether search, browse, or suggested is your main feeder. Think of it much like how in advertising, you'd market to someone who isn't solution aware and doesn't know about the cure to the problem they have, versus someone who knows there's a solution and actively is searching for that specific cure. Or the engagement of someone who is at the mall and walks by a window, sees a piece of clothing they want, and they go on to look at it. Versus someone who visited your website, called the store to verify the clothing was in stock, and then drove down to the store. The examples get farther and wider when it comes to engagement levels, interests, knowledge, and more across social media. And how you better learn your core subscriber base and feeder system of views will allow you to far more easily generate traffic, subscribers, leads, and sales. So here's what I'd recommend. Stop worrying about keywords and ranking. You guys, if I had noise effects, I'd be doing the the crowd cheering in the background right now. Here's why. Um, Oh, wait. I I didn't, before we get to the here's why. Sure, you can rank for keywords and get good traffic, but that should be secondary in your strategy. I think that was an important statement to include. Here's why. You're competing for one to two spots across a dozen keywords that control 80% of all search traffic. Top of ranking gets the clicks. That's like fishing in a lake with a thousand fishermen all trying to catch the same 12 fish. Instead, why not go to the ocean that's jam-packed with thousands of fish, but less than 12 fishermen? A sea of hungry, starving, ready-to-bite fish that haven't seen a meal in weeks. This is the opportunity when you change the inferior old strategy of SEO I was teaching a decade ago for winning strategies that aren't being taught yet. 
If you want to build a YouTube channel, there's never been a better time. If you want us to build your channel for you, there's an opportunity for that as well. But if this post caught your attention, then the next few sentences should pump you up. I'm thinking about doing my first training program in seven to eight years on YouTube. The entire foundation of the platform has changed dramatically over the last few years, and there's never been a more necessary time to teach what we've learned via testing across a ton of channels and our direct conversations with YouTube a program unlike any other that has built multiple industry-leading YouTube channels and a seven-plus-figure businesses, um, and not and a, and seven-plus-figure businesses, they've done multiple, and is incorporating AI, unbreakable and battle-tested systems, and SOPs, an organic lead siphoning system that's generated over 2 million leads for my business alone. You guys, I'm not here to sell his thing. I'm just reading his his organic post on Facebook. Um, And note, it was on Facebook and he got content. I mean, and comments. So Facebook is not dead. And I don't know why I keep pushing that because I don't care what you guys use. Just use what works for you. <laughs> um, it's going to be an easy to manage system that works for a solopreneur up to eight to nine figure businesses successfully. Not only will we cover YouTube shorts, long form videos, content creation, lead generation, team building analytics, and all that fun in a system that works in unison to build your channel and scale your business. But our video launch formula that adds 30 to 200% more lead sales to your product launch than your internal list produces will be taught for the first at scale ever and so much more. If interest is there, we'll put a beta group together. Personally, I think the strategies we're testing with YouTube Shorts, bridging long-form subscriber lead generation, and generating traffic leads and sales are some of the best. But I only want to do this if there's enough interest. Interested in hearing more? If so, I can follow up and start creating the program soon. Anyway, I put the image um, that he shared, which shows, um, yeah, again, I, I can't see, but there's a bunch of YouTube plaques and whatever in the background, which are sent to creators by YouTube. Like I said, he received 53 comments from people saying they were interested, including yours truly. So my point in sharing both of these YouTube creator stories isn't about needing to be on YouTube. There there are enough platforms that you can, you know, pick your poison, so to speak. Um, it's about creating content that connects with human beings. This is what my hashtag everything is content was all about when I first came up with the hashtag that I will tell you people use this on social media now. And I'm going to go ahead and take credit for it because I started using that probably seven years ago. And I don't recall seeing it come up when I searched it. But now it is a legit hashtag. Just saying. Um, Break on my own arm, pat myself on the back here. So my primary goal with my content is that people feel better for having engaged with it. This is what I call my core content value. I want people to learn something, to connect at a deeper level, or to be entertained. But the bottom line is, I want people to go away saying, that was time well spent, or God, I feel good when I listen to Kim. That that simple, okay? It is always my intention when it comes to the content create that people feel better for having engaged with my content. So this is where I'm going to start challenging you. Now, this is where we're going to get a little out there, guys, okay? But this, I want you to start looking at creating from a completely different perspective. And I know I'm dating myself here, but I want you to think back to creating pre-internet, okay? Think back to all of the people, all of the people in all of the world, okay? (laughs) But just, you could probably come up with just a handful of people that instantly come to mind when you think about anybody who has 
created. Okay. And by the way, nobody called themselves creators. Jason and I were talking about this, my friend, Jason Resnick, uh, who's brilliant. And we were like, who identifies themselves as creators, right? It's such a, uh, it, it's so broad. And on one hand, I like it. On the other hand, I kind of get the point. It's kind of like friggin' influencers. I, oh, that term, I, I wait, I wait for the day for that to wear itself out. But anyway, um, think about people who have created art, any type of art, and that they put themselves out there and they succeeded. They succeeded before there were algorithms, masterclasses, checklists, and keywords. They simply created. You know, there may have been a formal education that helped shape an interest, but most people who felt compelled to create did so because there was something inside of them that called them to make their art. All right, so we're going to go way, way back. I feel like we need a time machine sound effect now. Uh, Take classics, right? And I'm talking about classic literature. Do you think Shakespeare did anything to research what his audience wanted? Or did he write because he had to? There was something in him that pulled him to write. Look at how many female authors of that era or that are considered classic authors had to write under male pseudonyms because publishers would not publish books written by women. So obviously, as time progresses, we learn new skills and there are more opportunities for people to having access to learning how to create. And let me be really clear. I'm not saying we shouldn't invest our time and energy into learning. I'm, I truly am very interested to see what Adam Lincoln Augur is going to offer when he launches something. Why wouldn't we? Because it has never been easier to learn something new. We should take advantage of these opportunities, whether they're free or paid. And, you know, I, I, I get the whole having skin in the game, but the only way you're going to find out if something is right or it resonates is to do it. And so to me, like before you decide that, okay, YouTube is it, I've got to do YouTube, I'm going to do video, start recording some video before you go invest in a YouTube course, like really get a feel for this. And like, you'll know, hell no, this is not for me or okay, well, that was fun. It may have sucked. And but I'm willing to keep at it. And I'm willing to keep doing the work to get better excuse me, and, and, and really master fundamentals and strategies of this particular type of content. Um, but, you know, it, it's just kind of crazy because you think about this and it, it I, I mean, the internet is not that old, you guys. You know, this, what I do for a living didn't exist when I was in my 20s. And yet I still had, you know, I still created. I had a scrapbook store. I I drew and I wasn't writing, um, but I I put myself into those creative endeavors. And then they were called hobbies. Not everything has to be a side hustle. They were just called hobbies. But you know, there there is this thing inside of us that we get to create, and people have been creating for friggin' centuries without having algorithms and keywords and customer research and problem awareness and all of those things. And again, we're very fortunate that we live in that time. But I think that can end up being a block that can end up getting in your way because 
instead of just doing the thing and trying it or or writing from the heart and sharing what's on your mind and connecting with with like-minded people, you end up trying to figure out how to do it right. And that stops you. It stops a ton of people for, from creating. You know, I have a friend that, God bless her, has been trying to do something online for years and thinks that she's supposed to have this, well, I don't know what my passion is or what I would want to do. And I'm like, but she loves to write. She'll handwrite. I'm like, just start writing. Just start writing essays or stories or whatever. But you have to show up, right? Hashtag just show up. You have to show up and start making the thing. Like nothing is holding you back from jumping into a free account in Canva and playing with graphics, if that's a pull. You know, you can, you can record for free on your phone. A podcast, I haven't looked at Anchor in forever, but I think Spotify bought them. But there's so many ways that you can do stuff for free to test where, where your heart lies, right? And what is pulling you. And I really believe this. You, you get clear through doing the work. If you're going to sit around and just consume content waiting for this divine inspiration, it's probably not going to happen. You're you're screwing the pooch before you even get a chance. All right. I am super ranty. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, more often than not, because we have access to all this information and and we have access to people who we can model, we try too hard to get it right instead of creating from a deeper place. Before the internet, people figured it out, right? I mean, let let think about the the great artists, right? Uh, Michelangelo, Da Vinci. Well, Da Vinci did a lot of things too, but you know, Van Gogh, like Rembrandt. There may have been art classes. I'm sure there were some sort of art classes, but they had this internal thing, and it's like we don't even give ourselves the opportunity to explore and create from that deeper place within us, because there's so much vying for our attention. And there's so much noise coming at us. And, you know, even modeling. So let's talk about modeling for a minute. Because I think understanding fundamentals and strategies is one thing. But the idea of modeling, I think can also get in people's way. So for example, let's say you decide you're going to write, you're going to start writing on Substack, right? I've talked about jumping into Substack here. And instead of understanding the platform's fundamentals, you start modeling what someone else has created. And probably, I would assume this is very unconscious, but you you start trying to write like them. You haven't allowed yourself space to find your voice. And you're studying their headlines, their content, and how they engage with their readers. You're writing every day. And then before you know it, three months have gone by and you're like, check me out. I've been writing for three months. But at the same time, it you it feels like a sludge, like you're just, you know, it, it's hard to get up that hill. You have some subscribers and, and people might be sharing and commenting now and then, but you don't feel like you're growing at the rate you should based on how much you're creating. So ask yourself, do you sound like you or do you sound like the writer you're trying to model? And I'm going to give you guys a little at the end of this podcast, because um, I have a workshop coming up next week. And the title of it wasn't in line with what I, I'm doing on the back end of that. And it was like, I had a gut feeling. I was like, eh, that sounds a little clickbaity, but it also sounds not like me. But I had shared it with a couple of people and they kind of laughed like, oh, it's a good title. And I went with it instead of trusting my gut. Anyways, that's another story at the end. Um, so 
you know, I could go on and on with examples like this, but you get my point. And this is why doing things like buying templates from writers, and a lot of this is social templates, whose voice sounds nothing like yours, will never work. Here's an example. For months, I subscribed to Justin Welsh's social templates. I have nothing but respect for Justin Welsh and what he's created. He has built an incredible business, and I love his work. But I would never write how he writes. None of it sounds like me. And this is where, you know, on a very generic, um, broad stroke, generalized statement, men and women tend to write differently, right? Um, And so, you know, and that's not to go sideways with anything gender specific, but the point is we are all hardwired differently. And so I canceled my subscription because I, I wouldn't write the way he did. And it felt like I was trying to force a square peg in a round hole. And so I canceled the subscription. I do own both of his courses, Content OS and LinkedIn OS, which I still have this kind of loathing feeling about LinkedIn, but I haven't done much with them. Because instead of trying to take his frameworks and craft a strategy that worked for me, I felt like I had to do it exactly as he did, which of course I don't. I didn't. I don't have to do that. But I felt like I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, a, let's try this again. I was about to say I'm kind of a rule follower. I don't know that I'm a rule follower as much as I have this thing of I want to get it right. I want to be a good student. And it's sort of this leftover um, good girl element, maybe. I don't know. But you get to do what you want with what you with with what you invest in, you know, and it's it's a matter of really tuning out the if this then that ultimate statements that people make. Well, you know, if you're not willing to put skin in the game, you can't learn bullshit, bullshit. You know, so many people can take a book and apply it and and build something phenomenal. So many people can go through free content and build something phenomenal. I know for myself, when I've got a little skin in the game, it pushes me. Accountability works for me. But I don't think the accountability comes down to the fact that I've spent money. It comes back to there's an accountability. Um, So here is how I'm using this epiphany moving forward. I'm just going to jump really quick back into Squadcast and see. Oh, okay. I was just checking out my time. Took me a minute to find the time there. Um, So here's how I'm going to use this epiphany moving forward because... This, this truly has been a light bulb moment for me. And my goal is to craft my own version of a build in public experiment, which is that I'm going to create whatever the hell I want to create. Yep, I'm going to write what I want to write. I'm going to record what I want to record, which of course, a lot of that is going to be based on digital marketing and the things I love, which is all the content, email, newsletters. I love that. But I love mindset. I love the internal piece. I love the inspiration. I love helping people craft frameworks and pull their own uniqueness out, right? Like I, that's a secret sauce. That is my secret sauce. I know I've got this skill set. And so here we go. No keywords and no templates. That's it. I'm not kidding you guys. How many times I have talked to friends about this whole keyword issue? I'm like, I don't know what to search for because I don't want to, you go look up email marketing as an example or newsletters. And it is such boring, like, okay, great, there's a keyword. Now I got to force that in to content that doesn't sound like me that I wouldn't want to write anyways. You know, I was thinking about um, 
women, okay, that inspire me. And you guys know I'm a big, huge Brene Brown fan. Well, she took what she, I mean, she did research and work. So I'm not saying it was just pulled out of thin air, but she gave a TED talk that blew the roof off that place, right? Millions and millions and millions and millions of people have watched that. Was not what she was expecting at all. She did it because this is this was something within her that she was passionate about, that she believed in, that was her work, which was, you know, her life's work in essence. And look at what that's done. I don't I would I would bet you a hundred bucks, which maybe not be a lot might not be a lot, but I'd bet you a hundred bucks that when she writes a blog post or does a podcast, they're not doing keyword research. And I get it. You're thinking, well, that's Brene Brown. She can do that. Okay, let's look at Mel Robbins or, you know, any anybody else like just we need to stop creating for algorithms and start creating for people. Ranty, ranty, ranty today. <laughs> um, so again, no keywords and no templates. I love frameworks. And I th- did I talk about this? The difference between a framework and a template. Frameworks, man, are gold. Templates, and I'm not talking graphic templates. I think graphic templates are great because the likelihood of you can find a template that kind of that you can finesse with your brand. And people will probably say you can do the same thing with written templates. But um, for me, because I do love to write and I'm having fun with this, nobody could have told me 20 years ago that I have some, I would enjoy writing so much. Here we go. Um, okay. So here's the other thing I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do is that I'm not going to waste months creating a plan to do this. I'm not going to spend weeks and hours deciding which, um, platform. Am I going to use Notion? I'm going to use Click. I'm not doing, I'm not doing any of that shit. I'm not doing it. I've got my planner, my creative planner. I have my journal that, thank you, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. I need to do a, a um, video review of his book. I think that, don't you think it'd be great in terms of connecting? Okay. So I have this little journal and hopefully that showed up. Okay. And again, I keep talking about this because it's been a game changer for me. Four months straight, you guys. Every morning I have a mantra I write. I meditate. I write down the three things I'm going to do that day, which are carried over from the night before. And then at the end of the day, I write three things I'm grateful for, three wins today. And then I plan out the three things I'm going to work on tomorrow. And then every Sunday, I just write out my week. And it's really like, for me, like, what? when do I have calls? What, what has to happen by when? That type of stuff. That's a little bit more of a to-do list. But whew, this focus, man, that's the extent of my planning. Okay, because I cannot stand these planning and productivity systems that become part time jobs. And I'm like, you know what, I could have written, recorded and edited a podcast in the time I took to create a plan for this shit. (laughs) Pretty fun, huh? And I, you guys, I do like planning and I like stepping away from the computer and writing out like big goals and all that kind of stuff. But, but really, when it comes to this type of stuff, this is how I work best. All right. So here's a rough idea of what this is going to look like. So for starters, the podcast, as you can tell, the podcast is back on a regular schedule, which it's been a long time since I've had it on a regular schedule. And just uh, woohoo for that, right? I'm having a ton of fun with it. Um, And the videos, I record all of this in video that I'm starting to repurpose. And like I said, I was waiting for kind of a bank. I have enough. YouTube is going back up this week. You can follow me just at Kim Doyle. Well, it's Kim Doyle's my YouTube channel. Let's just say, thankfully, I had 
the wherewithal, I guess, would that be the right? Yeah, I think that's the right word here. Um, When I started online in 2008, that all my social platforms were just Kim Doyle, not the WordPress chick. Um, anyway, so the podcast videos are going up on YouTube, um, more consistent sharing and repurposing. And probably soon enough, I'll be running ads to promote the podcast. I believe Laurel Portier and both Claire Pelletro, they both talk about running ads to the podcast, because this will be the primary content that I do on my website. Um, talked about writing again, you guys, I, I really do love it. And, you know, even though I've been writing online for a long time, this still kind of blows me away that that I like it. <laughs> I don't know why. I was never anti-writing in school. It was just much, I treated it much more mechanical. Um, and so, mind you, you know, Grammarly, Grammarly, for the life of me, the commas elude me in the right place. So whatever, I, I don't care. I've got Grammarly. So hat tip to Grammarly. Um, I think the one person that I'm thoroughly enjoying learning from, though, when it comes to writing is Anne Hanley. And, you know, I subscribe to a lot of newsletters, and there's writing cohorts and all of that. And I'm like, I think I'm just going to stick with writing what I want to write about and following Anne Hanley, like her newsletter, if you're not subscribed to it, I highly recommend it. It's called uh, Total Anarchy. Cute pun, right? And she writes it fortnightly every other week. So twice a month or whatever. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I needed to correct that. But she talked about doing, she told how to do a cold open in an email. So meaning, you know, when somebody opens the email, they're dropped right into the middle of a story. And I did this where I shared the story, which it's still one of my favorite stories with my therapist is, and this was in the first two years, I think that I had started seeing her after my husband passed away. And she said that I was, or maybe it wasn't, no, maybe it was later. But either way, she said I was dramatic. And I was like, I don't think I'm dramatic. I think I'm reactive. And she goes, okay, you're reactive with a capital D, which I rolled. I thought it was the greatest story ever. So the subject line of the email was, I can't believe she said this. And then the email started with, you're a little bit dramatic, you know, she said. And I just dropped into the middle of that conversation. And it was fun. I got some great responses on that email, but I love the way Anne Hanley talks and writes and teaches. She's really easy to follow. And so I have the second edition of her book, Everybody Writes. So that'll kind of be part of my weekly working through. And, you know, I, I really do believe that writing online is very different. This is not writing from a journalistic perspective. I mean, I guess unless you are doing newsworthy journalistic type of content, but in I'm more interested in writing in a way that captures the reader, that draws the attention in, and using hooks correctly. And like copy, I still study copy. I don't, I'll never call myself a copywriter. There's, there's so much to learn about it. And I think a big thing that gets in the way for a lot of people is that you assume, universally, you, or I should say, we assume that it feels salesy and, it doesn't feel genuine. And here's something that I talked to my therapist about like a week ago about selling. I'm like, it's just not a comfort level for me. It's just not. And it won't be until I do it enough. Writing the type of content, the, you guys, I write a lot. I mean, most of these blog posts for the podcast are 22 to 2,500 words. 
and I can knock them out, right? There was a, my first blog post was heinous, you know, and it wasn't until I started finding my voice and it was because of the podcast that I decided to start writing the show notes out first when it's a solo show. And I knew the only way to stay sort of, (laughs) sort of the keyword here, um, on point with the content and not go 12 ways sideways. Like if I were to just riff, and I'm sure I can do that too, but I like having a little bit of a set structure here, not to mention it gets the, the content written first. Either way, so writing is a big piece of this. So writing is specific to I'm talking about um, initially doing the podcast post or just a blog post, but sort of the subset of that is email newsletters and Substack. Unsurprisingly, I love email marketing and newsletters, and I want to see how I can go deeper on that and test things. And that doesn't mean, and again, you know, eventually I'm just going to hire Jason for one of his book a days and say, please set up my convert kit correctly um, in terms of a lot of automations that can happen on the back end that just run stuff for you. But I am such a proponent of just emailing, like get in there and start doing it. And you don't need massive, I mean, follow up sequences and all of those types of automations I get, but there's a lot of sort of ninja conditional stuff that you can happen that you can create, excuse me, or that you can send things based on clicks and responses and stuff. Most people aren't doing the basics. And so I want to see how I can get better at the content, the subject lines, the deliverability, that type of stuff with email. Um, And then the newsletter, you know, I'm playing around with doing a weekend edition. Um, So we'll see about that. And then Substack, you guys, I am going to put the newsletters on Substack. And um, it's a new channel in this mix, but the discoverability um, and the connections that I see happening over there. Are, are kind of blowing my mind. So I'm excited to see what that brings. And I'll be sharing all of that in public as well. Let's talk about social and what this means. Oh, oy vey. As much as I have a love-hate relationship with social media, for now, it's part of what needs to be done. <coughs> Excuse me. And I will say I've connected with a ton of you guys, listeners, viewers, whatever, via social. So I don't hate it for that purpose. It's just... The posting of it just feels like, ugh, that's not what I want to do. But that's all right. I'm going to flip this and I'm going to do what I told a friend to do in an email. And that is that I'm going to treat it like an experiment. I'm going to think of each platform as a lab and I'm the mad scientist experimenting with what works. And I'm going to start having some more fun with it, especially because I'm coming from this place of I'm going to create whatever the hell I want to create. End of story. Some will hit, some will flop. I don't care. That's how I'm going to get the data. That's how I'm going to start showing up as Kim. When I'm going to create when I'm going to create, when I create things that are are in my heart of value and can serve and connect with people, you know, I'm the only one that can do that. Anybody can write a post about the 10 things you need to do about email marketing, whatever. I've done all that stuff. And it's just big, huge yawn. Anyway, the last piece here is paid traffic. And I am launching both brands, Facebook and Instagram ads. Well, I was going to say today, which the intention is today, I've got to re-record a video, but um, for I have an upcoming workshop that I'm actually changing the name on. And that's going to be my little snafu here at the end that I promised earlier on. And then for create it, the content planner, we are going to be running a free plus shipping and I'm going to email the same offer to everybody else. And there's going to be a story behind why we're pivoting this model. So and then I'll share. So all of these things I just talked to you about, 
in terms of the content that I'm creating, the platforms I'm using, how I'm doing it, and I'm just going to share the journey. I'm not putting it into any structured system. I'm just going to keep showing up and putting it out there. I know exactly what I'm offering for both brands, and I'm going to make sure everything I do supports bringing the right people in into both of those. So let's see where we're at time-wise. Okay. All right. Wrapping it up. All right. So (laughs) here was my snafu. All right. So I've talked to you guys a little bit, I believe, about the Spark Collective, which is a new community I'm launching for women. And it's all about finding collaborations, truly. Like I want a place where women, women can connect with other women female entrepreneurs, and you can find people to do JV swaps with, list swaps, um, buy ad space in a newsletter, um, buy an email drop if you want, agree to promote each other socially, you know, brainstorm, whatever. But I want it to be, there's this real tangible factor to finding women to collaborate with from a perspective of growth and traffic and strategy. And then there's going to be the female side of things where we can connect and support and give feedback and all of that. Okay. So this decision to focus on women, I started working on a workshop. I'm going to do a paid workshop. It's 17 bucks, you guys. So it's October 3rd. Um, Just bear with me. Uh, If you go to my website, I will have a banner at the top of the website by the time this goes live, which will be Tuesday, September 26th. Um, And so you can join the workshop. But originally, so I have, there's, there's so much meat going into this community and I I play around with ChatGPT to flesh out ideas and copy. And one of the names that that ChatGPT came up with was Beyond the Male Model. And I was like, oh. But at the same time, I was like, I wasn't super sure of it because it felt, I don't want to say it felt clickbaity. It just didn't feel like me. Bottom line, it didn't feel like me. But I shared the name with a couple people and they kind of laughed like they liked it. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> you guys... I sent out an email to a coming soon page for Spark Collective, which is the community, which feeds off of the newsletter, right? And I did a video and I explained, and there's this great bullet list about what the community is going to be all about. I don't know. I had 35 people in one email click and say, raise their hand. Yeah, I'm interested. I want to know when that comes out. Well, I I launched this workshop and I'm like, okay, why is only one person bought? <laughs> because there's a disconnect. Beyond the Male model doesn't support or speak to the Spark Collective that I've been talking about. So back to the drawing board this afternoon. And I think there's value in knowing this because one, I mean, value in me sharing it. (laughs) Obviously, there's value in me knowing what didn't work. But the value in me sharing it is that I'm not giving up. I was like, where's the disconnect here? And I caught it. And now I'm going to be incredibly transparent and explain what this is. I'm going to explain what the workshop is for. And on the workshop, I'm going to introduce Spark Collective and explain what the community is all about. So this is imperative that you understand that when you do something, it doesn't mean it's it's not right. There's something that's not right though, right? So you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So Because this workshop is fantastic. I've got the seven points to this. Do I have that? Oh, I don't. Um, I don't know. Butch, I'm going to have to leave that. Oh, dang it. I'm going to leave the same URLs. I just, it doesn't matter. I'm going to stop talking about this out loud on the podcast while I'm thinking through <laughs> what I'm tweaking. But it's back to the drawing board. And I have to pull the trigger quickly on this because it's a, in a week. And I'm going to run some ads for it. Is that enough time? Maybe, maybe not. But we're, we'll find out, right? This is how we learned. What I do know, learned, 
right? This is how we learn. What I do know is that I'm committed to this community. So whether 30 people sign up for the workshop or 10, I'm going to deliver the workshop. I'm going to get the feedback. I'm going to get the testimonials. I'm going to launch the community. And it's, it's a process, you guys. So you see all these, you know, people that market and they've been building something up. And maybe this is, I haven't been building it up enough. That's okay. I know myself. I wanted to do minimum viable. I want to get it out there because you can create and plan and push it for so long. It just, that, that's not what works for me. So all of that being said, I'm very excited. This was really, you guys, one of those just like, oh my God, I know exactly what I need to do. And that is I need to do what I feel inspired to do, not what I think is the right keyword, the right strategy. Do I have this type of content? Do I have that type of content? Am I doing this in this platform? Eh! I'm scrapping all that. And so, sorry if that was loud. Um, I'm excited. And, you know, stay, you know, if you're not on my email list, subscribe to the Spark. That's the the best way to do it. KimDoyle.com forward slash the hyphen Spark is the best way to get all these updates and, you know, and I'll keep you posted on the newsletter thing. I have, you know, it's, it's a bummer. I have loved Beehive. I think it's a beautiful pa- platform, but I want the discoverability. You know, I, I want that connection. And the other piece of that is that Substack is readers, where you would think, well, so is Beehive. But I don't see how people are finding Beehive unless you're doing the promotion piece behind it. And just no. So anyway, who knows? Maybe I'll be back to Beehive someday. We'll see. But my loyalty, like I said weeks ago, is to myself, not to a platform or a tool. So on that note, guys, uh, thanks for listening. And if you have not left a review on Apple Podcasts, I'm asking you. I'm just going to keep asking you. Um, I'm on a mission to get the show back up there and to serve you guys. And let me know your thoughts. Let me know how you feel about this and if this resonates with you and if you have been feeling some of this same thing that I've been feeling that you know, we're if if you're created, if you're compelled to create, do it because you're compelled to do it and create for people, not algorithms. That was a good sign off, right? On that note, I'm out of here. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening. I love you guys tons, and I will check uh, check you catch you next week. Thanks, guys. 